continuing in our look uh, during this, on this, the third Sunday of Advent at the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. I invite you to hear these words. John writes, and Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we listen to this beautiful music, we are reminded of how you have created all that is good. We thank you, Lord, for this morning as we continue to anticipate your arrival and your returning. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand what it means that you have come, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That we might then be reflections of that joyful and that good news. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. So without question, I would say that very first verse, John 3.16, that you've heard twice now, has to be the most well-known of all Scripture. I mean, John 3.16, you can find almost anywhere these days, right? You can find it at a ball game, right? There's this picture here. In fact, it's so famous now, you don't even have to put John on there anymore. They just know what 3.16 is, right? We see it even on athletes. You see it on Tim Tebow here. There he is. He's got the John 3.16 plastered to his face. Uh, you've even, perhaps, you've seen it on, uh, on The Simpsons. Maybe you remember. There it is right there. There's John 3.16. I'm not making this up. And even on one of my favorite, one of the best fast food restaurants in the world, in and out Burger, if you look at the bottom of those cups, oftentimes you will see John 3.16. I'm not making this up. John 3.16 is everywhere. Now, interestingly enough, I was going back. I'm not sure that I've ever actually preached on John 3.16. I, I could be wrong, but as I looked back to try to find something to make this week even easier than it already was, I could not, I, I couldn't find any place where I had done it. Probably, my guess is because it's so well known. I figure what else is there to be said? And it is well loved because in remarkably succinct way, it tells us the gospel, right? In fact, Martin Luther said, it is the entire gospel in a nutshell. Gospel, of course, meaning good news, right? For God so loved the world. The word love there, it's been pointed out, is not some kind of feeling as we oftentimes interpret love. Rather, it is a deliberate choice. Is it an intentional choice for God to love that which he has created? 
that he loves the world. In other words, God does not just love the popular, the pretty, the privileged, or the put together. God loves the whole world. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. And as Del Bruner says, that sense of belief is not just an intellectual assent as oftentimes we understand it. No, it is a, a trusting in a relationship with Jesus. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now that is good news. That is gospel news. However, it has also been pointed out that verses 18 through 21 are, do not feel like they're quite as good of news. Right? In fact, there's a reason why they don't hold up signs that say John 3, 16 through 21. They, they stop with 3, 16 because that's what feels like good news. But 18 through 21 begins talking about evil. It begins to talk about darkness. It begins to talk about judgment. It begins to talk about condemnation. Those things don't necessarily lift up our hearts in this wonderful Christmas season. And it's wondering, is it still good news? Or is 316 and 17 good news and the rest of it's bad news that we really shouldn't even listen to because it's not actually good news? Because shouldn't good news just mostly make us happy? Shouldn't it make us content and comfortable, make us feel good? Can it really be good news if it doesn't do all of those things? As I was thinking about that, I was reminded of something I kind of mentioned offhand last week when I was preaching, which was the fact that after our fourth child, we felt very good that we were done having four children. Four children is enough, it feels like. And so, but as I thought about that, honestly, there's been a part of, of at least me, I think Megan as well, who have, uh, who have mourned a little bit um, of the fact that we won't um, have any more children. And so as I was thinking about that, some of those things that you miss, you know, you miss the first time you see that child, right? And, 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 and just that you, you think, this is, this is our kid. This is amazing, right? And, and the first time that you see your, your child begin to uh, talk or, or babble or the, the first time that they recognize you, they know that you are dad or mom or, or the first time that you begin to see them take steps, all of those are incredibly exciting. But, but perhaps one of the things that I will miss most is the anticipation and the joy of the pregnancy test. I loved the pregnancy test. Now, when we were uh, at the beginning, especially the first couple, the pregnancy tests that we all get, I don't know what you guys used, if you used, used one, but we had one that had one bar on it, which was always, but then if you were pregnant, then the second bar would come up. Right? And it was always so exciting, right? So we would sit there and we, we'd look at the pregnancy test and we'd look and we'd say, well, we see one bar for sure. And is there another line there? We couldn't see. And so we would kind of hold it up in the light. And Megan would say, you know, I think I see. She's always more optimistic. I think I see something there. I'm like, babe, no, that's like your finger right there. What are you talking about? And, and we'd take it and we'd shake it a little bit to see if it wouldn't. And, and so we were, it was so exciting, right? But of course, if, it, if the second line clearly wasn't there, the rest of the day we were, you know, kind of bummed and pretty disappointed, you know, but we weren't afraid to spend another 12 bucks because they're real pricey on another one for the next day, right? And so, and so then we would get that. We should have taken stock in this thing. And so we would, we would get it. And when, when that second line was there, it was pure 
joy. I mean, we would, we would hug each other. Sometimes there would be tears. We would jump up and down. We would call our family, our, our close friends. We'd let them know. We would usually go out for a nice dinner. Uh, it was a celebratory time. It was good news. But then the kid was born. And we would look at the child and we'd say, oh, it's so cute, but not only would you begin to feel how vulnerable this child was, but all of a sudden, and this is something that grows, I think, even the longer you have a child, you began to feel your own vulnerability because you knew that now that your heart was tied in with that child, that when things went well, it made you happy and you loved it. But when things did not go well, it broke your heart. There's a sense of vulnerability. And then that first night, you learned very quickly that your sleep pattern has been changed forever. Right? That the way you literally live every single day from then on was going to be radically different. And then you get home... And a few days later, in the mail, you get the bill from the hospital. And then the bill from the doctor. Didn't we already pay? And then the bill from the anesthesiologist. And on and on. And then you begin to see receipts for diapers and toys and clothes. And then you think, well, we'd love, you know, I'd love a little junior to play a softball game. $250. And you think, are you kidding me, right? And then you have college. And then you start thinking about marriages. And you, all of a sudden, you, you begin to realize that not only does having a child make you vulnerable, not only does it change your life, but it costs you literally and figuratively every single day. Now, you kids should feel guilty. <laughs> but even knowing all of that, even knowing how vulnerable it makes you, even though you know it changes your life, even though you know it's costly, if we would know all of that and have gone back to that day when we saw the two lines on the pregnancy test, Megan and I would still say to you, it is good news. It is worth all of that. In fact, I would suggest to you that oftentimes the best of news is also the same news that makes you vulnerable, that changes your life, and that costs you in many different ways. It is still good news. It's just another part of the good news. And I think that's exactly what we see in John 3, 16 through 21. 16 and 17 are absolutely good news. God loved the world. He came just for you. He would have come just for you. He came for all of the world. He loves you. He came not to condemn, but in order to save us. That is all very true. But when the light of Jesus begins to shine into our lives, there are going to be inevitably darker places. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says places like secrets that we have, worries, thoughts, hopes, passions, sins, brokenness. And when that light shines on you, you will inevitably begin to feel vulnerable. You will begin to see that if you want your life to align with Jesus, there are going to have to be 
be real changes. You will begin to see that it is going to cost you, not just once, but for the rest of your life. But it is still good news. And for those who have the courage to believe in all of the good news, all of a sudden we begin to see the world and ourselves differently. All of a sudden then we begin to participate Right? In God's kingdom that will be coming on earth as it is in heaven. It is the same way as we do when on some Sunday afternoons when Megan and I look at each other and we think, wouldn't it be nice just to be able to take a nap and not have someone come in and say, can we do something? We're bored. What else can we do? We want to sleep. That's all we want to do. But it is worth it. Because of all the new avenues, the way that we see everything differently now because of these children, it seems to me it is worth it to follow Jesus and this good news because of how everything then begins to change. There is a peace and a joy that only comes when you allow the light of Jesus to shine bright into all parts of us. The parts that we are happy for people to see and the parts that we are much less happy to see. And when we do that, Jesus can redeem and make whole every single part of us. Now I realize that this is Christmas time, that this is the cantata, and that the vast majority of us, including 100% of the choir, would wish that I would be quiet so that we can just move on to the song. I understand that most of us in this season, we would prefer perhaps to just think about jolly elves and sugar plums and presents under the tree. But let me ask you something. Is there any greater joy than knowing that you no longer have to pretend as if you are without blemish or blame, as if all is perfect. Is there any greater joy than that? Is there any greater gift, any better present than knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that Emmanuel, God with us, has come down here and even though he sees all parts of us, the light parts and the dark parts, that he is committed to being with us and to embracing us as his own. There is no greater gift during this Advent season than to know and to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. This particular passage, it ends a bit strangely. Most folks don't actually know where it fits in to the story of Jesus. What happens in John 3.16 is it's a part of a larger conversation, a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Perhaps you remember Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, and he came to Jesus, not in the present, not when it was light, but under the cloak of darkness. At nighttime, we are told, when nobody would have been able to see him, and he wanted to know what Jesus was about. And so we asked Jesus, and Jesus began to tell him, and he told him that, that he needed to be born anew. And then he went on to tell him all of these things that we've already talked about, about how he came not to condemn the world, but in order to save it. But what's interesting about the telling as John does it is that John immediately, at least, does not tell us how Nicodemus responds to Jesus. Instead, after this passage, John just moves right on to another story. There's no answer. We're just kind of left there wondering, what does Nicodemus do? What does he say? And some have suggested that in many ways, what John is doing is he is inviting us into the story. So that rather than just wondering, how 
I wonder how Nicodemus responded to Jesus. Rather than just that, actually, the invitation is to all of us to wonder, how will we respond? How will we respond when the light of Jesus, the loving and graceful light, but the light nonetheless, begins to shine into our hearts and into those places that all of us have that we would prefer to keep under the cloak of darkness? Will we flee out of fear? Or do we have the courage to believe that Jesus loves us so much that rather than coming here in order to cause us shame about those things, he has come in order to redeem. And if we are willing and are to, to, to faithfully confess those things, that Jesus the Christ longs to embrace us in the midst of our good and in the midst of our evil, in the midst of those light places and in the midst of our darkness. John invites us in this story to ask whether or not we genuinely believe that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. It is good news. It is costly and sometimes difficult news, but it is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let us pray. Jesus, in this season, we are reminded that you have come and that you will come again. So I pray in this time, Lord, that you would help us, whether we've heard this for the first time or the 1,000th time, to remember that you have called us. You have invited us into life with you. Sometimes the journey is easy, Lord, and oftentimes it is difficult. But we trust in your promise that throughout you will embrace us and journey with us. Thank you for this good news. Amen and amen.